This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome to yet another episode of Diagnosing the Aftermarket A to Z. I am Matt Fonslow. I guess I'd like to start off right off the bat by thanking my sponsor, Napa. It's no secret we're facing a technician shortage, and Napa Auto Care is addressing that. The free two-year apprentice program offers a variety of training to produce a technician with three ASC certifications. To learn more, members can visit member.napaautocare.com. So starting out, just to be honest, uh, I just got back from a family vacation, and I'm not really the vacation guy. Like, I don't usually get a whole lot out of it. I do have fond memories of some family vacations as a kid, usually traveling to see family or uh, even some shorter ones with family. But I don't know. Normal vacations for me, I don't know. They're not all that appealing. I usually find myself in some other state (laughs) or venue or whatever and uh, looking up stuff to do with you know, technology or auto repair or physics. I just don't catch myself really gearing up and getting excited about going on a vacation. But this vacation, we drove from southeastern Minnesota, where I live, to uh, Garden City. So if you guys caught, I think, the second to last episode... Uh, about silver linings, I tell a story about taking a job that led my kids and former wife uh, to Southwest Kansas, Garden City. And part of our trip, which you know ended up in near Denver, just outside of Denver, by the Rocky Mountain uh, National Park, we stopped at Garden City. Really, uh, it was for two of my older kids went with along with my granddaughter but the two older kids they kind of wanted to reminisce I think a little bit it's been a few years and they kind of wanted to maybe see some things you know places that they have fond memories of and maybe visit some people and then just in general there was fond memories of the Garden City Zoo uh, it was quite quite good so we all went to that next to it is a big or relatively speaking, fairly big water park. And uh, yeah, the older kids and I kind of took a trip down memory lane and drove around. And it is amazing, amazing how much can change in 10 years. It's just, it's mind boggling. So lots of new stores, um, kind of a new strip mall, but a lot of the old stuff. So anyways, where this is going is, I did get to do something that was very, very important to me, and that was to visit the grave of a co-worker, but really a friend, uh, Richard Boyd, who was one of the big reasons I took the job uh, with Craig Technologies, uh, you know, a distributor of Picoscope, and got to kind of, you know, be the automotive department, if you will. And he was the general purpose department, and really the guy I could go to with any anything and we'd figure it out or he figured it out or he knew. He's just a really, really smart guy. And unfortunately, at the age of 30, 
he kind of had some stomach pains. And I'm not trying to scare people or give people a bad case of, um, give anyone any kind of a case of illness, anxiety, or anything like that. But, you know, this is just what happened. He had some stomach pains. And, you know, not that bad. But uh, one day he uh, woke up to get ready for work, looked in the mirror, and his eyes were jaundice. So, you know, go to the doctor, and they tell you liver failure, 30 years old, kind of a weird issue, but get him on the list for a new liver. And when they kind of do their checkups and testing before you can receive the liver, they find that he has bile duct cancer and that he really needed to go get his affairs in order. 30 years old. And he handles it like a freaking champ. I mean, just, <laughs> I don't care what anybody says. You take manning up or whatever you want to call it up, call it. You know, since he was a man, we'll call it manned up. Plenty of women do the same thing. He did the stuff he needed to do, got it done. And, uh, you know, it wasn't long. He, you know, strapping young man, taken down quickly. So I got a chance to uh, see his grave. I attended his funeral online. I was back in Minnesota uh, for the funeral, but I was there virtually, if you will. And that was rough to watch. But to just kind of stand there with the kids and he's got a very nice headstone with a picture of him. Remember all those good times. And then just talk to the kids about, you know, making use of your time. And it's kind of that one commodity, the most valuable thing we have. And none of us knows <laughs> you know, how much is in the account at all. You have no idea, but it's by far your most valuable possession. And to talk about that with them, you know, the older kids, we left the little kids at the hotel swimming. And also just if you think you're having a bad day, <laughs> do, you, do you really know what a bad day is? And some of you do. Some of you absolutely do. But a lot of us, I think you, uh, it's relative again, right? It's relativity. The, is your bad day really that bad? You know? And uh, to qualify that, and uh, I think it can put you in a, a little bit better mental state to better handle what's going on when you kind of start to consider like, well, okay, it's it's not that bad. All right, now, now since I'm not focused on you know, th- just how low or severe this bad day is, I can now focus better on solutions. And sometimes the solution is to wait for tomorrow, right? You know, just kind of like uh, the movie Annie, I guess. Yeah, sun will come out. Uh, so, yeah, we stayed there really a whole day. Uh, and then off to Denver. And initially when I sat down, was thinking about what to record here. I was thinking about, you know, self-care and taking time for yourself, taking time for your family. And that's, that's important. I don't want to ignore that. You know, I think we all need to decompress, find some things. And again, it's like that back to that commodity, your, your time, allocating that time that you have, that you don't know how much you have. Uh, in this case, <laughs> I just can't, um, I can't ignore a few th- observations. I, I just, I can't. One is the costs, the costs of going. Uh, we took two vehicles because there was 
seven of us really. Uh, so four adults, uh, my wife, my middle daughter, who's in the army, but here visiting my, uh, son who just graduated high school, my stepdaughter, my youngest son, who's seven and my granddaughter. So we took two vehicles. There was no re- reasonable way to take one vehicle and have, you know, we could all fit in one vehicle, but then there was nowhere to put our luggage. And I, I'll let you guess who packs a lot of stuff for about a week. <laughs> it wasn't just one. And one hint is, wasn't me. Anyways, two vehicles. That's two gas tanks to fill. So gas is expensive. And then we got to our place in Grambly and Colorado. And we rented a house, which sounds really stuffy. Like just saying it sounds really, really stuffy. Like, oh, Matt, you must be doing really well for yourself. You rented a house. It was cheaper than the hotels. I'm not kidding you. It was cheaper than staying in a hotel. And we had a house to ourselves, bedrooms for pretty much everybody, beds for everybody. You know, I think there's four bathrooms in this house. So there's almost almost a bathroom for everybody. Uh, a whirlpool uh, outside, which turned out to be like a highlight. So it sounds really stuffy to say, oh, we rented a house in the mountains in Colorado. It's no secret we're facing a technician shortage. Napa Auto Care has a solution with the Napa Auto Care Apprentice Program. The program was engineered by one of our own, Pete McNeil and Master Technician Jake Sorensen of McNeil's Auto Care in Sandy, Utah, realized that the problem of not having technicians available for hire was not going to solve itself and decided to take action and look at a different audience of individuals available for hire. A focus was put on younger individuals with the right passion, desire, and attitude to work in the automotive repair industry. Jake and Pete sought these individuals and developed a technician apprentice program to give them the training needed to become a successful technician in today's world. The Napa Auto Care Apprentice Program includes a comprehensive nine-stage curriculum that includes a variety of types of training, classroom training videos. Exclusive to the apprentice program, these videos provide an in-depth training from a successful master technician. Auto Tech Classes, instructor-led courses offered through Napa Auto Tech, Autotech e-learning, web-based e-learnings designed to target specific training topics, hands-on learning. The apprentice will apply the skills gained from the classroom training videos, Autotech instructor-led training, and Autotech e-learnings in the shop with the guidance of a mentor. The apprentice program curriculum is competency-based, meaning an apprentice can move through each stage at a pace that best suits them. Most apprentices complete the program within two years. Upon a completion, apprentices will have earned ASE G1, A4, A5, and AC certifications, adding industry validation to the skills an apprentice acquires. Grow your bottom line. Having an apprentice in your shop will ultimately benefit your bottom line as they advance through the program. In most cases, as the apprentice develops their skill set producing billable hours, you will begin to see a growth in your gross profit by stage five. Keep your apprentice motivated with an apprentice toolkit. One of the largest entry barriers for individuals looking to enter the automotive repair industry is the cost of tools. Napa Auto Care has worked with our supplying partners to offer an exclusive, comprehensive tool set, including a four-drawer tool cart for all registered apprentices. To learn more, members can visit member.napaautocare.com. No, it was cheaper than the hotels. Yeah, we were budget conscious with this move. 
the the house was great. The uh, the people who uh, or the company, I guess that in this case, run the house and stuff were tremendous to work with. Just nothing but good things to say. However, we had some experiences at restaurants, and I just can't help but equate it to us and as a profession. One of these restaurants we went to was kind of badged as being finer dining. So, you know, everybody orders what they order. And I broke down and ordered a steak, $40 for a filet mignon. You know, I like steak, definitely fits in my um, diet constraints. And I ordered it medium rare because I'm pretty sure if I let any one of my friends know that I ordered a steak, anything but, uh, I would be getting some uh, phone calls and some criticisms. Rightfully so, right? It shows up. It's it's a hockey puck. And maybe they knew I was from Minnesota or I thought I was from Canada and were just trying to do me a solid. Uh, they definitely sent me a solid steak. Initially, I thought maybe they just got a really, really good thick crust on it. Overly thick. And I suppose that's true because the crust went almost in through the entire steak. So I cut it right down the middle. And this thing was way overdone. Uh, it might might not even qualified for um, well done. So there I sit as a consumer, like, I don't really want to rock the boat. And, you know, it's $40 a lot for a steak. I mean, my gut is, yeah. I mean, I've been to other places where they're more. And then it's really got to the point where the dollar amount had jack squat to do with it. This was not an issue with the cut of meat. It was a issue of preparation. It was not prepared to my request, my order. I ordered this cut of meat cooked a certain way, or at least to a certain doneness, and it wasn't. So, you know, it's, it's very uncomfortable for me, but I, and I apologize. I'm the one apologizing, but I, I'm, I can't accept this. Please take it back. And the waitress that we had, or the server, she was quite polite, but nobody else was. It became very apparent that they were almost disgusted with me. (laughs) I'm not kidding you. There was a bartender who I believe was either the manager, the, the restaurant manager, store manager, or she owned it. And before I sent the steak back, she was nice. She was polite. Uh, bantering back and forth with, you know, everybody. After I sent the steak back, that changed. I just felt like I was the one who was somehow in the wrong. But, you know, they said they would take care of it right away. And uh, right away, it was like the better part of an hour. So we had spent about three hours at this restaurant for basically what equated to, uh, I ordered that steak, my daughter ordered the same steak, but she likes hers done more. So she ate hers. My son had a burger. He did not finish, was not good. And anyways, we wait. The steak comes back and okay, you know, it's cooked right now, but man, they did nothing in preparation. Like I, there's no seasoning, no flavor. And it's like, wow, you know, and I didn't send it back. Um, I didn't eat it all either, but I just left kind of, I mean, not kind of, actually quite upset. And I'm thinking to myself as a technician and relating to the cook that this 
state came back, like I messed up and that, that feeling of, you know, failure, messing up, making a mistake, honest or not, like, you know, honest mistakes happen, but this didn't seem like a mistake thing. This seemed like a experience and or training or honestly just complete lack of interest in doing the job. And we as professionals take pride, like when we're working for someone, we've accepted the terms of employment and we take pride in what we're doing. Like I am not going to turn out poor work. Hopefully the shop and the shop management is looking for quality. You know, I know quantity is really shoved down a lot of your throats. It, turning and burning, production, 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 production. Hopefully the systems are in place to allow not only production, but also quality. Probably a subject for a different podcast. But when does the ego come in to play in a positive manner? You know, there's ego that's negative. I think Chris Clodier did a really good episode with Carm talking about ego. I believe... It was Remarkable Results Radio episode 717, 717, where Chris talks about negative ego. But there's also ego that can be net positive and that it drives you to do better. Pride, taking pride in your work, ownership, ownership of your mistakes. Hopefully you take ownership of also your successes. But, you know, where's, where'd the ego kick in? Where was um, not only the ego of the chef or cook themselves, but management? Not one person came over and apologized for the mistake, you know, just to come over and acknowledge like, hey, you know what? I'm glad you sent this back. This is definitely not medium rare. I'm I'm embarrassed. We're going to take we're going to get you one cooked right here. Thank you so much for your patience while you're waiting. Is there something I could do or something? You know, I'm not saying I need free stuff. A lot of times for me, it's just the offer, the acknowledgement. The offer means everything means more than the delivery of something. I definitely want my steak the way I ordered it, my meal the way I ordered it, but just the kind of that offer that uh, I feel is heartfelt, not like they feel like they're required to do so because of some social construct. And then as a manager, as management, witnessing that, of course, I've already kind of begged on them for not coming over and apologizing profusely showing some embarrassment, showing some pride. Like I am trying to run a honest business that delivers what it says it's going to deliver. We didn't do that. And I feel awful. And what can I do to make this right? Other than, you know, getting you what you ordered. And it's the same thing at the shops. I've been to shops Undercover, if you will, you know, because sometimes I don't feel like fixing my own freaking vehicles and they don't know who I am. Not that I'm anybody, but just, you know, that I'm not, you know, they don't know that I'm a tech. Okay. That's, that's where I'm going with that. They don't know that I'm a technician that if they mess up, (laughs) sometimes it's like nobody really gives a rip. Like they are doing me a favor by just being in existence. I like I, I can't understand the, this flipping of that equation. Like, I, I am here for you. That makes perfect sense. But I am just so happy you chose to walk through my door to to call my phone. That seems va- way more logical to me. But we're, you know, does management take pride 
in what the shop is producing, providing, and putting everything in place as best it can. So let's be fair too. Not everything can happen overnight. So if the shop's not perfect yet, and we can argue it never will be, but our changes in place to get it where it needs to go. And when it misses, doesn't hit the target. Are we displaying some pride? Are we taking pride and showing our clients that we really do care, that there is an ego involved, that professionalism, there's a professionalism involved in that. This is what we're saying we're providing. We're providing you a accurately diagnosed vehicle. We're providing you a properly repaired vehicle that we're willing to stand behind for whatever the determined amount of time is. And if we miss the mark, we got your back. And because not because of some piece of paper that says we're going to, but because we care. I need your repeat business. I don't just want it. I need it. And I want you to be able to go around to people and say, I had a great experience. Even if things went sideways, they can say things went sideways, but then hopefully they're also uh, quick to point out that we did everything we needed to do. And maybe that's being very optimistic, but it happens. You know, a lot of times it's very difficult to separate tiers, if you will, uh, in the hierarchy of auto repair shops, the different tiers of the, you know, lowly shop versus the you know, top dog shop and repair until things go sideways. And that's where you would expect the, you know, quote unquote, lowly shop to not stand behind their work. Oh, well, you can pay us to do it again or go somewhere else. You don't like it here, go somewhere else. And that's where the top dog shop shines. Things did not go the way we had hoped. Something happened. We messed up. Part failure. Doesn't matter. We're going to take care of you. Uh, we got you on this. And man, just witnessing it. And, and I kind of wonder as technicians, as managers, as owners, when going on a family vacation, going, to, even if it isn't a vacation, you're going to a training event, you end up going to a restaurant and you get as perfect of a dining experience as you can, but taking notes like, what made this so great? Can I apply this to my shop? What made this meal so great as a technician? What made this experience so great? Can I take any of this back with me and apply to my job, to my task? I just think there is. I I, I don't see how there can't be. I, I just, I guess I'm campaigning here very, very um, almost pleading to always have our eyes open and that we can take so many experiences from different venues and apply them to our world, to our careers, our professions, our trade. Really the same thing is with um, the hotel experiences where for the same amount of money uh, at a hotel, we had a wonderful experience. The, the room was clean smelled clean, the staff, extremely friendly, helpful. Not that they have to do so much. I mean, it's a hotel. But in one, you know, on the way out, we stayed at one, and it's you just felt welcome. And on the way back, 
And that's the worst one, really, on the way back is because you're, you're kind of whooped. You can't wait to get home. You're paying a lot for this hotel room. You're, you're paying more for the hotel room than you did for a night in this big, beautiful house. <laughs> it's crazy. It's just crazy to me. And you're treated as if, have you ever seen the movie Clerks? I mean, that about sums it up where you're just mildly tolerated. And that's how it felt. It just blows my mind. It blows my mind. Those are some of my big, big takeaways from this vacation is I found out I can't turn it off. <laughs> I can just There's no shutdown. And maybe there should be. Maybe that's a, that's a subject for yet another podcast is being able to turn it off. But I, I can't. Uh, I brought a scan tool with it connects to my phone. It's fairly capable. We did have a check engine light come on. I get to turn it off because I hope it doesn't come back on for what it got turned on for. You probably can figure out what the code was. And I guess some people at gas stations find it very awkward to have somebody offering them free health reports. But what can I say? I was bored and the scan tool made it pretty easy to go around and send health reports via email. Uh, And it was kind of fun. Yeah, to wrap this thing up, I mean, seriously, uh, of course, value time. Uh, That could be a running message for the rest of our lives. And I still don't know if it'll ever sink in until the twilight years. Uh, I always felt I was fairly cognizant of time and it still evaporates on me. It's an annoying thing. Love-hate relationship with time. And then just eyes open, ears open. And I think you can take so many lessons from your experiences, be it you're a manager, be it you're a shop owner, be it that you're a technician, and take that back with you to your the business, to the bays. And whether your experience is great or less than stellar or horrible, to, yes, have those experiences, enjoy the good ones. Try not to let the bad ones get to you too much, but can you take some of those lessons? Can you really step back, assess the situation and go, okay, what if I'm in this role? What if it's not me as the consumer? What if I am the server? What if I am the chef? What if I am the manager? What if I'm the owner? And you know how they should have, because you're still the consumer, right? It's hard to put yourself in other people's shoes, but you know what you think they should do as the consumer. But now can you take that back and turn that you know, powerful lens on yourself and go in a somewhat similar situation, I would do what I would expect them to do. And can you be honest? I know a lot of shop owners that if they have a very bad experience, and not just shop owners, managers, even technicians, they have a very, very bad experience dining, any kind of cons- you know, consumer or, or when they're receiving some sort of a service, that if it's not up to their expectations, they're very strongly opinionated about what should be done about it. But now you take it and you turn the tables a little bit, put the shoe on the other foot, and now it's happening in their business. Yeah, I guess parameters have changed, but not that much. Somehow those solutions don't actually work. And if you're one of those people, then I uh, really, come on, I, I can't urge you enough to just step back and think about that a while and try to relive in your head some of those experiences where you had strong feelings of what should have been done, how that should have been handled. You as a consumer should have been 
treated a certain way after this. Now, can you put yourself in the shoes of a consumer, a client of yours, a new customer that came to your business, to your shop, and something happened? Your fault, tech's fault, system's fault, part fault. And can you put yourself in their shoes and figure out, if that was you, what would you want? How would you want to be treated? And then will you do it? So with that, uh, wrap up this latest episode. Again, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for the feedback you've been sending. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you for the ideas. Thank you, Napa, uh, again, for sponsoring. Been very great to work with. Thanks to CARM and the Aftermarket Radio Network. Be sure to check out many of his other selections on there. He's got a growing team of uh, content providers. So give them a listen. And uh, if you find any of these podcasts helpful or meaningful or where you feel they could help somebody else, please, please don't hesitate to share. I hope they do. I, I really do. And like always, if you have any ideas, please feel free to reach out via social media or email me at mattfonzelpodcast at gmail.com. And I look forward to the next time. Thank you. You've been listening to Matt Fonslow diagnosing the aftermarket A to Z on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Matt on your favorite listening app. He's very interested in what you have to say. Let him know what you'd like him to cover and come on the show. Matt is all for advancing the aftermarket. Find Matt Fonslow on social media and connect or on aftermarketradionetwork.com.